Clint, I could put on like some slow songs and some like emo stuff and be journaling and let the tears come out and just kind of be in my darkness. Right. And I can get stuck there. Our emotions can be addicting mm-hmm. and they can, they can draw us in. And so for me, I think it's an interesting dance to explore in myself. And I see this with clients too, of how do I feel my feelings and pull back the layers of the onion, understand the root, Mm -hmm. but then know when it's time to step out. Welcome to the space between the middle path between East and West psychology and spirituality, high performance and inner peace. Hi, and welcome to The Space Between. I'm Katie Cheadle here with my co-host, Clint Monfort. And today we are talking about how we engage with difficult emotions. It's a funny thing. No one really has much of a challenge when it comes to dealing with bliss or happiness or, um, man, all all those feel good emotions, love. But when we're dealing with grief, or shame, or sadness, or anger, they can be really difficult and feel really overwhelming. So I'm hoping today we can have some candid dialogue around how we deal with emotions, the difficulty that they can cause in our lives, um, and yeah, just some practical tools for engaging with them differently. Um, I want to start, Clint, by just talking about like how emotions get a bad reputation right? We start to label them as good or bad from like very young, young age. Um, I'm curious for you, like what emotions would you label as bad or more most uncomfortable for you? Yeah, I'm so glad you suggested this topic for us to get into today. Um, I feel like it's one that all of us have struggled with so much over the years. And I mean, yeah, the difficult, I mean, the difficult ones or the bad emotions, the one that we label, we're growing up like this is this is bad. I don't want to feel this way. Um, let's see, shame, guilt, sadness, mm. anger, frustration, mm. all, all of those. Right, right. It's interesting, like from a mindfulness perspective, we're taught like emotions aren't good or bad. They just are. But we have narratives in our mind of them being bad. And I think that comes from the way that uh, the reinforcements we get from our friends, from our coaches, from our parents of, oh, when I express this emotion, or when I feel this, people respond in in this way, and so maybe like it's less desirable. Of, in terms of their reactions, like the reactions that we see people putting off, it then shapes how we we associate with those emotions, right? Right, and I think what's interesting is, and I'll just start with like Logan, for example. If Logan is laughing and jovial and loving and hugging and telling me she loves me and ha like oh she is just I am hugging her. I'm kissing her. We're having so much fun. When Logan is having a tantrum and she's throwing something or being sassy or not wanting to hop in her car seat, mom's body language can change. My demeanor can change. I can act exasperated. And I think there's some flavor of like humanness in that, but also my daughter from a young age is reading mom's reaction. I'm like, Oh, I'm lovable. And I am accepted when I'm happy and when I'm funny and when I'm easy. I'm putting up air quotes right now. Um, But when I'm angry or I'm frustrated or something's bothering me, mom feels like she doesn't have time or she's impatient and less desirable. Right. And that's really, that's really interesting. And that's a lot of responsibility for us to be conscious in our, in the way we engage. It's an amazing responsibility. Like it's actually, it's challenging. I don't have kids, but 
Um, I have lots of nieces and nephews and, you know, it's challenging enough raising kids without having to then add that additional pressure on how am I going to respond to this moment so that my, my child doesn't learn these, these, you know, these patterns of thought about, you know, I, I shouldn't express this emotion because it makes, you know, it makes, you know, mom and dad be less nice to me or be, you know, and I don't get what I want. And so then I'm just not going to express those emotions at all or try to express them less. Yeah. Right. Or I'm a burden or an inconvenience when I'm like less than happy. And then I think as we get older, we start masking things, Clint, like, right. you know, I'm like actually having a bad day and I want to cry, but I show up to the party and I'm like, oh, Hey guys, I'm here. How's right. it going? And it's like a little inauthentic um, right. because I want to be loved and accepted. Mm -hmm. And so I think us realizing where some of the narratives come with emotions. And then I also think some emotions get a bad reputation because how they are expressed. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think anger can be really scary for people sometimes because maybe anger in your household was expressed with people yelling or hitting or calling names mm. where really if anger was expressed, you know, Clint, I'm so furious that you did that right now. Like my, like my body temperature is up. I'm feeling like so dismissed. Now we can like talk about it. And anger is actually no different than any other emotion because we're verbalizing, we're expressing it. We're noticing where it's showing up in our body. What a, what a beautiful way of managing an emotion. Right. But if I was like, F you, I'm punching the wall. Mm -hmm. Now anger's really scary mm -hmm. and you're feeling unsafe, right? And so I think today I really want to talk about the way we can express different emotions and the way that we can engage with them so that we can like choose how to respond in the world instead of having these like unconscious reactions. Definitely. When you were describing that, something came up for me and that's thinking about, you know, like you said, if, if we're exposed to certain emotions when we're younger, then we're able to express those better, right? So like right. I grew up in a household where I think anger was more prevalent than other emotions. So then allowed me to then express my anger, no problem. I had no problem blowing up and letting that anger out. But, you know, maybe sadness wasn't expressed so much. And we put on that facade of like, everything's good, even though we're on sad on the outside, then, you know, leads us later in life to, to not show our sadness and to kind of put on that facade and doesn't let that out. That's, that's really, really interesting. I mean, it's not just that we identify bad emotions and not do them. It's like that, that we, I, that we're okay with some bad emotions and we're not okay with other bad emotions. Yes. Oh, I love that you said that. I I'll share, you know, I have two brothers and my mom had three kids in three years. So we are like all super close in age. We all play team sports. Um, and so I noticed after my divorce, living alone and splitting time with Logan, I was so uncomfortable, Clint, like being alone. So that's like something I had to get used to of like this feeling of like loneliness and orienting towards myself. I have friends that are the only children. They cannot stand being around people <laughs> for mm -hmm. long periods of time. And that's so uncomfortable for them. So I think we have to acknowledge our family of origin, the environment we grow up in, how different emotions are expressed, how much time we spend with people, because that so plays in our in our mind and our neural pathways of what we're comfortable with and what we're not right right definitely so interesting it, it, is, it is now i'm just like going back through my head and like thinking about which ones i processed enough or which ones i experienced enough and which ones i i i kept harbored in too much and yeah 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 so susan david who wrote the book emotional agility she talks a lot about um the language we use in regards to our emotions. And we're not typically very agile 
when it comes to dealing with emotions. They feel heavy and overpowering. And sometimes, man, they kick us like they kick our ass, some of these emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And she talks about just, it's just this external experience. And so I think when we talk about language, I like this idea of hosting the emotions. Mm -hmm. So if I'm angry, like maybe in my meditation practice, it's like, let me host this anger or Mm -hmm. let me host the shame and get curious about it. And like, so when you're saying host it, what exactly do you mean? It's a visitor. So I'm hosting it. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to allow it to come in and it's separate from me. I think when I use the language, I am angry. Mm -hmm. I am sad. I am feeling a lot of shame. I think then it's like, no, I am Katie. So I think hosting it is like, you are, you're a visitor and you're going to go, you're going to leave. You might hang out a little. Sometimes these emotions hang out past their welcome, Mm -hmm. but it's separate from me. It's just something I'm experiencing. Right. I think that's the key word experiencing, right? Mm -hmm. Something that we are experiencing versus is something that is like part of identity or who I am. Although it's, that sounds so easy (laughs) to say as we sit here calmly and happy recording a podcast, but when we're in the moment and experiencing like (coughs) extreme sadness or frustration, uh, it seems so difficult sometimes to actually separate and it, it just feels like I, I am sad. I am angry. It's so all consuming. Right. 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 At times anyway. Yeah. And in and, and one of, you know, our favorite book, Untethered Soul, Michael Singer talks about fear being the most powerful emotion. And I think he's right. Um, because when fear comes in, it stop, literally stops us from doing things we say we want. That is how powerful that emotion can be. Yeah, I think you're right. And that, to detach from that one in the moment, say I'm experiencing fear right now and now I'm afraid that that to me sounds like the absolute toughest one to detach, detach from because it is so, it is just so powerful. Right. Let me host this fear mm-hmm. that's coming in mm-hmm. about starting a podcast. Mm-hmm. Let me host this. I notice I'm nervous. I'm scared. Will it be good? Will we sound okay? And now let me do the courageous thing, which is to start it because this is actually what I want. And right. I think, yeah, I think noticing the fear and hosting it and acknowledging it and getting curious about it, but then choosing how we want to move forward. There's a lot of empowerment that comes from doing that. There is, there is. And, and then do you notice like, the more you do it, the more repetition you put towards that, the, the more empowered you feel. Right, right, right. So it's like fear doesn't win. We're like, again, building a habit, right? Noticing it, feeling it. Um, I want to talk about kind of one of the upsides that I think our emotions uh, have, which is I think a lot of times we feel an emotion and we think it's a call to action. I'm sad. Okay, well, let me go call my friend. Or I'm sad. Let me go... Uh, drink a glass of wine. I'm sad. Let me go. Just it's not always a call to action. So like something to fix this emotion that I have. Right. I have this emotion. How can I fix it? Right. Right. And and why instead of looking at it as like a call to action, why don't we get curious about the message? And I think when we get curious about the message, why am I sad? How does this feel in my body? Where did this come from? When did it start? How do I want to go behave? What feels right in this moment? Like really getting curious about it and peeling back the layers of the onion. Then, then we can get to like the truth of it, right? That is how we, that's how we like can really like feel it and allow ourselves to heal. I also think the power with actually like getting curious about it is it lets us know what we care about. So Clint, if I don't care about my friends and my family, 
um, I'm probably not going to be really sad that I'm alone. Right. So I think it's a, it's a message to or a guide or a compass for what our value system is. Right. That's really interesting. Right. So many layers to this. But, you know, when it comes to to mom guilt and a lot of times in therapy, when I, you know, I experience this as a mom. But when I work with moms too, the fact that they're guilty or feeling the guilt, it's like, wow, you care mm-hmm. so much about being a good mom. Can we just like take a step back and acknowledge that? So. The guilt is something we need to work through. Absolutely. But it does tell us that you value being a good mom, which is a beautiful thing. So really we're able to, when we actually do that, we're able to actually like find benefit from, from these emotions, right? And able to like see positives within ourselves as a result of experiencing these emotions. I mean, I feel like this is just something that the majority of the world just doesn't do at all. We're just so hard on ourselves. When we have the emotions or for the reasons that we're having the emotions. And it's, I think that's so interesting to get curious, go a level deeper about like where actually is like, like what is, what is allowing me to experience this emotion? It's coming from a good place. Right. I think too, with couples, like we can be so angry at our partner mm-hmm. because he never spends time at home. Wow. Let's just take a step back. You really value time and connection with your partner. Like I, it lets us know what we care about. Um, and so I think if we can like use emotions and get to the root of them, gosh, it lets us know where we've gotten off track too. Because, you know, if, if I'm feeling mom guilt, cause I haven't spent enough time with Logan, I get curious about it. I explore my guilt. I realize I care so much about being a good mom. Mm-hmm. Wow. Katie, maybe you should carve some time out in your schedule. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling a little disconnected because Right now, the way you're living your life is misaligned. So I think getting to the root of emotions allows us to navigate our life differently. Will you talk to me a little bit about like, because I, I get it that this is what we should be doing. It's a great thing to do. But in the moment when you're experiencing these, mom, these emotions and maybe you're, maybe you're busy at the same time too, right? How do you, how, how do you in the moment, like hit the pause button and get curious? Ooh, I love that. I think that there's a number of ways to do this. I think one, again, if you're able to, I understand sometimes we get like this flight of emotions and where it's in the middle of our work day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you can step away from the computer or put your phone down instead of texting the person when you're having this emotional reaction or distracting yourself, if you can go on a walk and just allow yourself to feel, or if you can go sit on the cushion and like take some deep breaths and really connect to the emotions that you're feeling, um, I I think anything you can do to remove yourself and allow yourself to feel, man, Mm -hmm. that's it. Even if like Clint, it's a shower or a bath, or if you want to journal, but it's, it's just creating enough spaciousness to get closer to the emotion. Right. So, I mean, I feel like there's, it's almost like two parts. One is giving yourself the space to feel the emotion, but then there's that second step of getting curious about like the values underlie it, about why we do it. So is that something that you just will typically do in your head or do you like you said, do you sit down and journal about it? How, what does that look like for you? I have done this process so many times with myself while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. I feel that recently with COVID, I have not been in my car as much as I usually am. So I find that like I will go on a walk mm-hmm. and I am doing this in my head mm-hmm. of really trying to get to the root of it. Um, for me, my journaling practice is usually like at night or at the beginning of the day when I do like my gratitude. Right. So it would be like very different for me to like get out my journal in that moment. So it's, for me, it's just really like a thought process and connecting to my body and to my heart and understanding where this is coming from. 
That's really good. As you were saying that, I was thinking about too doing this. And sometimes our we can have so many thoughts. We have like sixty thousand thoughts a day, right? So we want to do that, have the thought process, thought process. But then something come, else comes up and distract us. What about you know speaking to ourselves out loud in that moment, right? And say, Clint, why are you feeling this way? What is the underlying value that's like allowing you to feel this way? Um, you know, maybe even like I think you mentioned me talking to yourself in the third person before um, yes. as a way to kind of like like take a step back and then examine it. Right. Yes. Yeah. I think talking to ourselves, like we would talk to a friend or a coworker or a child, um, can be so helpful and kind of reminds us of our innate resilience. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes, like I said earlier, these emotions crush us. Right. (laughs) It's like they, they feel so overpowering and they win. Right. And I think like when we would talk to our friends, if I was talking to you, Clint, and you were down in the dumps, I would be like, Clint, you got this. Like, dude, take a breather. You're going to be able to get through this. You got this, right? Um, And so us talking to ourselves with that same tone and that same voice, man, that's just a different energy than what we usually do. Absolutely. And I just, it seems like, at least for me, it's it's one of those things that's easier to do if I kind of stop and say it out loud. When we're in our own head, it's so hard to like get out of our own head and stop speaking with that like negative bias that our that our inner critic has right when we talk to ourselves so that's why I, that's why i'm thinking i like the idea of you know hitting the pause button and actually mm-hmm. talking to myself out loud the way i would talk to a friend yes i also think from like a performance perspective you know we talk a lot about fear of failure mm-hmm. um i think like what does that tell us man you really want to be successful man you really want that's to crush it right. like you know it's like dude that is such a thing. So these emotions, they get in our way and they make us feel um, like we're losing and it gets muddy and it's hard to tap into clarity. But I think if we really are like, what is this emotion telling me? It's telling me I value this. Mm -hmm. Now I can sit down with my calendar. I can assess how I'm spending my days and I can make sure I'm living my life in alignment with the values. I think even from a performance perspective, this can be really helpful. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Okay. A couple other tools that I think we should dive into. You know, get get contradictory. I like this idea um, because a lot of times we want to put things in boxes, black, white, good, bad, and emotions don't tend to go that way. They're real gray, right? right. Um, and so I think if we can kind of acknowledge this idea of both and um, that's, that's really powerful. And this comes up in therapy so much because it's like, gosh, like I'm, I'm feeling this person's making me feel this way. Um, but I know I do this and it's like, oh, maybe you feel both. Like we don't have, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. right. Can you, can you like plug that in and give me an example of this, like Ooh, a real world example? Yeah. I can feel like my child is so ungrateful and they don't realize all the sacrifices I make and what a freaking good mom I am. I am. But at the same time, I can feel guilty and like I'm not doing enough as a mom. Gotcha. So it's like, okay. ooh, you you can experience both. And gosh, I wish my kids could see me and see how I'm busting my ass. Mm-hmm. But man, there's this voice in my head that's saying I'm not good enough. I'm not mm-hmm. doing enough. And allowing both of those to coexist, mm-hmm. that's part of exploring your emotions. And I think sometimes we... It's a lot for us to grasp, Clint. It is a lot. <laughs> right? So then we try and push one to the side and then we're not honoring it. And so right. it, it persists, right? It festers. Now, can that happen too with with 
what's what we would describe as a positive and a negative emotion do they exist at the same time or is that not really oh yeah okay so like how would that i mean let's let i mean think think about even clint you and i were starting a business right Mm -hmm. how many times have you felt a positive and emotion experience i i know i have with Mm -hmm. this like i am so excited and i'm so pumped up but at the same time i'm like man i'm kind of exhausted or god this is really difficult to get myself to do this task Mm -hmm. They coexist. Right, right. So that you, yeah, you're, you're excited about it, but then we're also being hard on ourselves at the same time for maybe not like mm-hmm. being gung ho enough about it or getting, getting it done as quickly as we would like to get it done, right? Right, right, right. And on this, uh, from a spiritual perspective, this is like that whole concept of like non duality, mm-hmm. right? It's like one cannot exist without the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think when we think about the full spectrum of emotions, allowing ourselves to get a little contradictory, I think that's part of the healing process. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I want to, I want to try doing this and sitting with that and trying to like observe that I've observed that I've had one feeling before. I don't think I've ever taken a step back to really observe and appreciate that I'm experiencing multiple different, like maybe similar ones. Yes, but contradictory seeming emotions, right? Right. At the same time, um, that's got to, that, that's interesting. Um, But I imagine the benefits the same, right? It allows you to experience them, feel them, and they both pass and then you just come away with even greater perspective, right? Right. Both and. Mm-hmm. Both and. I'm thinking of uh, a text you sent me this week, which is a both and text. Okay. You and I are doing 75 hard. Right. You kind of love me and hate me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. I think more so hate right now. Uh, so funny. Yeah, yeah. So we have to explain what that is for people that are listening. 75 hard is a challenge that we're starting Next week, uh, well, actually, when this comes out, we will already be you know, well well through it, but it is 75 days in a row of doing, drinking a gallon of water per day, reading 10 pages from a book, doing two 45-minute workouts, and one of them has to be outdoors, um, committing to a diet. So you are doing... I am giving up sugar, mm-hmm. and I am committing to intermittent fasting. I like that. And I am doing... Uh, no sugar and no grains. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else am I missing here? No alcohol. No alcohol. And a progress photo every day. Every day for 75 days. So, yep, there we go. We put it out there. Um, we're doing it. Uh, some, we'll see how it some goes. accountability. But yes, yeah. point being, yes, I love you and I hate you for it. <laughs> uh, I love you for like the challenge that you're giving me and for how much I get to grow from this and how I can like experience like how I am with discipline and like grow that discipline muscle. Um, I hate you for <laughs> how tough this is going to make some of my days or how it's going to stop me from eating what I want to eat. So yeah, that's a really, really good example. <laughs> yeah. Both. And it, it shows up in so many ways. Once you're conscious of the concept, you just start to realize that so many of your experiences are a both and right. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, another tool that I find helpful is bringing bringing humor to our emotions because sometimes our emotions, they're so silly, Mm -hmm. but they're real. And so it's like without minimizing my experience or dismissing it or blocking it, finding the humor in it. Like, I don't know if any of you know, you listening have just gotten mad about something that it's like, that is so dumb. And I don't even know why I'm mad about that. So it's still acknowledging the anger, but like being able to laugh at yourself, I think just it cools it down a little bit. So then, you know, again, it's another way to think of externalizing the emotion. So it's not, we're not so attached to it. This helps a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, as you're saying this, I'm, I'm picturing times where 
I'm able to laugh at how mad I'm getting. Like, you know, I, sometimes I'll like my, my, I wouldn't necessarily be mad at my dog. I'm just frustrated about something. Right. And then maybe she doesn't behave exactly the way I want her to behave. And that moment is just like, I feel so angry. I could like, I could like do something bad to her. Right. And I'm like, and then I can step back and go, wow, Clint, like, how are you actually feeling this level of like anger and frustration towards this? Like, amazing creature that just loves me and just wants to do nothing but love me and be loved and then I start laughing at that so I it seems like that is that is one that we can all relate to when we just like observe how angry and frustrated we get we can take a step back and laugh at it but do you I'm, I'm really curious what you think about if you find it like you can step back and have humor with other emotions other than anger anger seems like an easy one to do for me I I find a lot of comedy in my sadness to be Mm. honest like Sometimes like I even think about conversations I've had with my mom or something, or I feel like she missed me or didn't understand what I was saying. And I could Mm -hmm. be like so sensitive and it's like, oh my God, Katie, like, have you gotten enough sleep? Mm -hmm. Like, are you like, what what do you need, Katie? Because Mm -hmm. that is, that is, should not be your response to that. Right. Um, And so I can find the humor and like, sometimes like my sadness or feeling like someone, uh, didn't understand what I said and noticing that it taps on like an insecurity or mm-hmm. something. Um, also, you know, sometimes we let strangers impact us. I mean, Clint, with this podcast, we one day when people outside of our friends and family are listening to this, we may one day get some comment from someone that's just real mean. Mm-hmm. Someone's like, Katie is so annoying and I hate the way she talks. Like that's honestly kind of funny. Mm-hmm. If I, if I allow that to like, I really find it funny. get me. <laughs> well, you and Alvin already find it funny that, you know, Clint has the better voice for the intro. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like, it's just finding the humor. And sometimes we let people that are not even part of our orbit impact our mood or hurt our feelings. Right. And it's, we have to find the humor in that sometimes and, and maybe even have compassion again, both and we can laugh at it, but also have compassion for little Katie and, yeah, the things that maybe she went through that made that feel more emotional to me in that moment. So right. humor, I think humor is one of like the ways that I, I tend to like to deal with my own emotions. I just like humor in general, Clint, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I feel like having, having humor, we were talking about when other people impact the way we're feeling or whatever, right? So, you know, we're, we're walking down the street or doing something and like our inner voice inside our, our head is going, I don't like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like that. Um, you know, someone bothers us by the way that they look or sound or talk or the way they're moving or that they're driving the way they're driving in front of us. That's a really easy one to step back from, I feel like, or a really good opportunity to step back and go, wow, look how triggered you are from, from this thing that has absolutely nothing to do with you. Um, that's a, that's just, it's so helpful to laugh at ourselves because it's just, it is, it is ridiculous that this external event that has nothing to do with us. It's having such an impact on how we're feeling in the moment. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I know sometimes, gosh, when I'm like ordering something or I feel like someone's taking forever in line, mm-hmm. I can be so righteous. Like I'm like eye rolling. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like changing my body length. It's like, Katie, what are you doing right now? Because you're the queen of the world. Everyone, everyone <laughs> revolves around you. You should get your coffee right when you want it and everyone should be out of your way, right? Don't they understand? There's not a better way yeah. for the world to go? I oh, think wait. so. Oh, wait, that's impossible to make happen, so. God, right? But these, these are the things that happen. This is where meditation and, like, for me, self-care is so important because mm-hmm. I show up 
so differently and more emotionally regulated when I am like filling my own cup. And, and if I'm depleted and not running on sleep and not feeling spiritually connected and haven't gotten a workout in a couple of days, well, that's way more likely to happen. That's so interesting too. Like actually, this is where I think journaling can help a lot because sometimes we'll, we'll lose sight of that. Right. We'll just be frustrated in the moment and we'll, we'll, we'll not realize that like, Oh, this is happening more often when I haven't been doing these things to take care of myself. And sometimes, sometimes we do, but it's, I think it's a really interesting thing to look at because it's probably a drastic difference that some of us don't always realize. Yes. Yes. Um, I want to talk about this idea of, uh, externalizing the emotion and, and, even act, you know, exploring this idea of what someone would think from an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. Susan David in her book talks a lot about um, when she works with couples uh, as a therapist, like sometimes a couple, you know, someone in the relationship will be like, yeah, I'm just pissed or he's just so annoying. And she'll be like, so give me three other ways to describe annoying mm-hmm. so that you get in the trenches with the emotion um, instead of making it like this big idea that's kind of like abstract and difficult to understand. And so that's part of like being agile is like getting in the trenches. Right. Um, so instead of you being annoying, maybe it's like, yeah, you just don't pay attention to this. Or I feel like I've asked you for this one thing and you never do it. Right. And, and then the, the partner can say, oh, easy. I just need to put the dishes away. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Now I can do that. Right. 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 Versus just like this labeling them as like, you're this bad, annoying thing, which then, because it, uh, that, that kind of doesn't get you anywhere. Right. Right. And so for parents listening to this, when your teenager hops in the car and they're angry or anxious or annoyed, ask them, give me three other ways to describe what you're feeling and get in the trenches with your kids, get in the trenches with your partner for leaders listening to this. Mm-hmm. When you're um, talking about maybe at a staff meeting, something you're feeling by mm-hmm. the way that people are performing or the results, get in the trenches with what's really coming up for you. And this is where our own inner work can be so effective in mm-hmm. the way we lead, lead families and lead companies. Right, right. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, you know, thinking back to my days practicing law where I'm, you know, I'm really frustrated because what's coming up for me is that I'm like, why is this person not competent enough? Why aren't they just doing, why, why aren't they just doing what I told them to do? And so I, I'm actually wondering like, what is, what is underlying that for leaders? Cause I think this is something that leaders deal with a lot where they're not, that people aren't performing up to the, up to par. They aren't, they aren't performing the way that they would like them to producing results. And it just, you wanted to say almost, and I was like, why can't you just get it? Why are you so dumb? Why are you incompetent? Right? So like, what, what are some things that are like underlying at the root of that, like peeling it back? Get specific is one. So if I'm working for you in the law office and you're like, dude, Katie just does not get it. I don't understand getting really specific with Katie. I'm feeling Mm -hmm. so frustrated Mm -hmm. because you told me that you would give me this by Friday Mm -hmm. and you've continue to not meet deadlines. So that's one thing. Now I know what's happening for Clint, right? right? Versus like, dude, he's just an asshole. Right. right? And so it's like really getting in like tangible or I feel like when I ask you things, Katie, you nod your head, like you get it, but you don't really get it. Right. So can you please moving forward, if you don't understand, ask me questions, I want to support you and help you. Right. Right. Um, Because I think these emotions just build and build and build and they get more abstract and more abstract. And so that's why I like this idea of agility, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to like engage with them differently. You know, when, when we talk about externalizing our emotions and 
imagining like an outside perspective. Um, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about this offline, but you know, sometimes when we're having, um, an issue with a coworker or a partner or a kid, we're so connected to what our experience is and the narrative and the stories we're telling ourselves in our head that it's hard to really like lean into empathy or, or look at it from an outside perspective. So I like this idea of like, what would your friend think if they were observing? What would your dentist think? What would your dog think? Whoever. Um, because sometimes allowing yourself to step out of it, it's like, oh, like, I get where they're coming from or, Ooh, I I have been running on no sleep and I'm a little more cranky with my daughter. Like she's right. When she says mom's been cranky, like, let let me really take a look in the mirror instead of just denying it. Or right. Like, right. I I think that can be really powerful, difficult to do, but a really beautiful practice again. So, yeah. So how would we do this in the moment? Right. Right. Um, I mean, we would just pick someone and say like, if I, I wish, or if, if there was someone here, here observing them, what, what would, what would they say? And just try to put ourselves in that like outside observer shoes. I think witnessing from an observer perspective in real time is difficult, mm-hmm. but I think like if I'm having an issue with my partner mm-hmm. and I'm leaving the conversation, feeling angry, unseen, whatever the emotion is right. X, I think as I go into another room or as I cool off or as I take a shower running through this exercise can be really helpful. What would an outsider say? I think that's a beautiful way of coming down and getting back regulated in your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And same thing with like a work situation, right? It's like, ooh, you know, we replay conversations and things that happen. Mm -hmm. We, we, our highlight reel in our brain is going all the time. So I think if we can take a different perspective when we're doing that highlight reel, it can be powerful to get more regulated. That's a really good, that's a really good idea. I like that. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, another one is calling it out. Um, and this is, this happens in therapy all the time because sometimes it's difficult to name these things, Clint. We feel them. And sometimes we're not even in touch with how we're feeling them in our body. But sometimes it's like we go to work every day and like we, like our body gets tense mm-hmm. and we're just like kind of unsettled. We don't really know why, right? It's like, I don't know why I feel this way or I can't name the emotion. So having a friend or a therapist or a coach, or even doing this in a journal of just like calling it out, going through all the thoughts that come up for you. When I go to work, I feel, um, uninspired. I'm feeling unmotivated. I'm feeling like, what's this for? And just allowing yourself to get closer to your thoughts and get closer to, to naming the emotion. Cause then we can do something with it. I mean, this whole conversation, we're talking about things we can do with our emotions that are productive. Um, but I think what we haven't chatted about yet is sometimes it's hard to name the emotion. And right. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, sometimes sometimes it's really obvious what emotion we're experiencing. Right. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes we just feel this like internal chaos or turmoil. We don't really we haven't really gotten curious about what it is it's that's like causing us to feel that turmoil or, or that strife right yes i think um gosh sometimes too the emotion that we're most comfortable with based on our upbringing or our gender or whatever is actually the secondary emotion and not the primary emotion it's just where we go so clint if you're not comfortable with sadness you might express anger and just right. be like i'm angry but mm-hmm. if we peel back the layers, we're actually really sad. Right, right. Right. It's an interesting thing. That's a really good one too. And I feel like this is the, the way that I, I see this coming up a lot is like, we aren't feeling good. We're feeling sad. And someone goes, are you okay? And then we just 
we really like mass that and don't get to it. We know, we know we're not okay. We know we're not sad, but then we get mad at them for asking that or frustrated. Right. And go, you know, yes, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Right. Um, or stop asking me that. Right. And then you're like, we're, you know, on the surface, we tell ourselves we're frustrated because we're asking that, but we're really just expressing anger because we don't want to deal with the underlying sadness. Right. Ooh, I love that. So can I tell you how that plays out for me? Yeah, sure. Please do. <laughs> you ask me if I'm okay. Mm -hmm. then I might actually start like waterworks crying because I have been masking it, pretending I'm okay this whole time. Mm -hmm. And then when someone actually cares or asks and I feel like vulnerable, then like all my tears would come. Like I, I, I remember like sometimes um, growing up, like if, if like I was hugging my dad, sometimes all of a sudden my tears would come because it just felt like safe and cared for. And it's mm -hmm. just like that emotional response. So again, this just shows the difference of two different humans. Whereas like, right. you're like, don't talk to me about sadness. I'm, I'm going to express anger right now where I'm like, Oh my God, thank you for asking me. I like can let this out. Isn't that so right. interesting? It's really, really interesting. <laughs> that is, that is, that is very, very interesting. Wow. But I think the more we can like get curious about it, call it out, name it, understand the way that we relate to our emotions. Gosh, it's like so beautiful. It is. And then that, that allows us to, to feel them and experience mm -hmm. them and have them actually pass through us and not just stay buried. Right. Right. I think two of like the cheesiest therapist quotes I'm going to share right now. Okay. One is you got to feel it to heal it. Right. And then the other one is you got to name it to tame it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're so cheesy, but it, there's truth to it. Right. right. Of just this is part of the work. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I Yeah. The name entertainment, that's one that I use a lot in the, you know, in meditation when I'm, my thoughts are going on about something and I can just go, Oh, I'm thinking about my to-do list. Right. And then, so you kind of like identify it and it is just by doing that simple act, it allows it to, then you're, then you just stop thinking about that. Right. Cause you acknowledge what it was. And the same thing works with our emotions, right? You go, oh, I'm feeling really sad right now, or I'm feeling really really, um, really, really frustrated. And it's, it's kind of amazing how, when we just pause to, to acknowledge that and like naming it to taming it, saying it, just saying it out loud or just in our head, it, it, it will move through faster. Right. Right. Yeah, it does. And I think, yeah, if anyone has been able to be vulnerable, whether with like a therapist or coach or a family member or partner, you've probably experienced this of just saying like, hey, I felt really insecure in that moment or yeah it makes me so angry when you do that just acknowledging it and saying it it softens the whole conversation and the experience and like Clint said it like it just moves through click quicker you know so much right. quicker right um yeah it does that's that's interesting not just verbally verbalizing it to ourselves but to mm. you know those around us right like oh this is what came for me I feel I felt we just we just never do this as human beings. It's like, we don't want to rock the boat or we don't want to, or we're worried about how they're going to react. When the reality is once we actually express how we're feeling or how it's making us feel, um, <laughs> not only are our, do our fears not come true, but usually the people go, Oh wow. I didn't even realize that. Like they clarify their intentions, which alleviates the feeling, right? Right. It's, it's wild. I mean, just, this is just, I, I really want to make a point to do this more in my life. Yeah. yeah. And I think we we're more comfortable typically with, um, content mm -hmm. than feelings. So I think, um, so what do you mean by content? Yeah. I think, uh, if we're, and obviously as a therapist, 
I'm like, give me all the emotions and the feelings. Um, So I think I I can be highly sensitive to when people are so content heavy in my personal life, but it's like, oh yeah, Jill at work did this. And then Johnny did this. And oh my God, will you believe what Sue's son? And it's like conversations people have and things people are doing. And the second you ask them like, oh, are you okay with that? Or how did that make you feel? It's like, oh no, but I I just think Sue did this. And it's like, no, but how, how did that make you feel right and I we're see. so uncomfortable yeah. with naming yeah. Yeah, we describe our experience the event but not how it made us feel all about the content right. instead of the feeling right, which is right. so interesting that is we're not taught this at a mm-hmm. young age and i think mm-hmm. if we can name it um it's powerful you know as as we wrap up um yeah i want to talk about just a little bit of like the dance which i guess is the space between mm-hmm. um action and movement and progression and then feeling the feels because you know you and I had a talk recently um you know some of the work you're doing um with Reiki and the chakra work Mm -hmm. um about some emotions that you were feeling and I was sharing like I if I go feel my sadness Mm -hmm. Clint I could put on like some slow songs and some like emo stuff and be journaling and let the tears come out and just kind of be in my darkness right? and I can get stuck there. Um, our emotions can be addicting mm-hmm. and they can, they can draw us in. And so for me, I think it's an interesting dance to explore in myself. And, and I, I see this with clients too, of how do I feel my feelings and pull back the layers of the onion, understand the root, mm-hmm. at, but then know when it's time to step out. Um, that's an interesting thing to play with. That's a really, I mean, it's, 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 especially ones like sadness and things like that, where we can just get stuck in it. Right. And then we don't, we, we just stay there for so long. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really actually curious. Like, how do we know, how do we know when enough is enough? Right. Like, okay, I'm not, I'm not hiding it. I am not, I'm not running away from it and just like doing what I've done my whole life, which is distract and and escape right from and by doing something that's going to just you know numb me or whatever not make me pay attention to it i'm willing to sit here experience it appreciate it but how do we know how do we know when to like go okay cool i've sat here for you know 10 minutes or a half hour or experience it for three hours whatever it might be and then move on Mm, i think that's like such an individualized process. And I think that comes from mindfulness and discernment. And I think that if you are new to this process of feeling your feelings, Mm -hmm. then working with an energy coach or a Reiki healer or a Mm -hmm. therapist is so powerful. Right. But I think if someone, you know, who's listening has like done therapy for years and explored their childhood trauma and explored their relationships and has a meditation practice, trust your gut on Mm -hmm. this, you know, trust your intuition Um, I think when I'm awake and I'm conscious and I know that I can get sucked in as long as I'm like conscious, it's like, Katie, you know why you're feeling this way. Mm -hmm. You've honored it. Mm -hmm. You have created space for it. This is your one life. You don't need to sit on the beach and cry anymore. What do you want to do? You want to go get a workout in? You want to go hang out with your friends? Like, what what do you want to do today? Um, And that's not that's not masking it, distracting it, pushing it to the side. I created enough space to feel it. I understand it. Right. Now I got to now I got to keep moving, you know? Right. So it's taking that taking that time to like experience it, feel it, get curious about it, and then and then okay, it's it's I, I need to move on with my life, but move on with our life with an activity that is 
we know serves us, right? That we know makes us feel good, but it, is, it, it, is, it isn't just a distracting activity. It's not just going and eating ice cream or, or binge watching television, right? Or right. Um, it, it is, or, you know, or having drinks or whatever, right? right. It is taking that, taking that time to, to go and do something that you know is going to make you feel good that is also aligned for you, right? right? So which will not just be a temporary form of feeling good, and that can kind of like get you out of the difficult emotion that you're feeling, right? Because right. once you go and do those things, you're you're gonna you're you're gonna experience some sort of, of of good emotion with that, right? For sure. And I think even dialoguing with the emotion, if you're comfortable with that in your meditation practice of what do you need right now? Like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I'm feeling you sadness, you know, what do you need? And mm-hmm. maybe it's like I need a friend and go hanging out with a friend or maybe it's like, I need a long run, but getting curious about maybe like what the message is in it can be really beautiful. Oh, that is, that is a good idea because there are different things that are aligned for us that maybe aren't what we're needing in that moment. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. The, the, the feeling we get from, you know, working out is different than the feeling we get from having a conversation with someone we care about. Right. Right. There is this, um, concept. Uh, it's called internalized family systems. And it was created by um, a, a psychologist, David Schwartz. And he talks about, gosh, this is really aligned with the both and concept, but he talks about all these parts of me, like the inner child that maybe carries a lot of shame, the, um, I don't know, executive Katie that is really driven by results and wants to be successful. There is maybe this like raging part of me. Maybe there's this like sad part of me. There's all these different parts. And if we look at them, like it's a family unit. Mm -hmm. If I'm a mom and I have five kids and I let them run the house, it's going to be a shit show, Clint. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But I'm also a pretty shitty mom. If I'm like, everyone go to your room. I don't care about what you want, right? right? So it's like, ooh, all these parts of me, feel them, engage with them. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I hear you rage, all right? Yeah, I know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hearing you out, okay. All right, what you got, shame? Mm-hmm. And just like engaging with them. And then I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. What do I want to do with them, right? right? So I think like engaging with our emotions, but then remembering like I run this family. Mm-hmm. And so I can tell Shane, you're on timeout. I need you to go to your room. I felt you enough. Mm-hmm. Rage, I haven't engaged with you a while. What, what's the message here? Okay, right. I think I need to go to a kickboxing class. Whatever it is, right? right. But I, I like this idea of like a family system with our emotions. It's really that's, cool. That's an interesting way of, of, of viewing it. Yeah, I like that. So cool. Clint, you got anything else on emotions? Man, we covered a lot. Um, no, I think that was it. That was, a, that was a fun conversation. Yeah, it was just cool to... Be able to pick your brain a little bit too and i mean you're so much more of an expert here as a as a therapist so yeah it was it was uh definitely enlightening and i'm just i'm looking forward to continuing to put these into practice you know more in my everyday life i think that's a challenge it's like mm-hmm. we sometimes you know a lot of these things we know or we know are good for us but it's 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 the putting them into practice that can be tough and so just having like a mental you know some sort of process where we check into check in with ourselves daily right or um you know, like obviously meditation is a great time for it or journaling, right? But um, I, it, one stuck out with me a long time ago that you mentioned about like when you walk through a doorway, it's your reminder to check in with yourself and see how you're doing, right? So if we can have these little cues throughout our day as a time to check in with ourselves so we don't just get so lost and spiral out of control, right? So I think that's something that I want to work on doing more is to have, have some sort of a cue 
for myself during my day that, that allows me to, to actually put into practice what we talked about today. So I totally encourage everyone else to try to do that in their life too, to have something that comes up for them daily that's, that's already happening in their everyday that is just their reminder to, to engage with themselves this way. Right. I love that. To be more agile with yeah. our emotions. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I'm so curious. We'd love to hear from you guys, whether it's on our Instagram or Facebook, but which, yeah, which tips you find helpful because one thing's for sure, difficult emotions, they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, as we move through, as we move through life, um, we're going to experience difficult emotions. And I think it's really powerful for us to choose how we want to engage with them. Yes. Um, so anyways, we will see you guys next week. Please follow us on Instagram at the space between and, uh, engage in our Facebook community at the space between on Facebook, and we will see you on the path. Take care, you guys. Bye.